How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. C103 Gardening with the Mallow Home and Garden Festival, May 26th to 28th at Cork Racecourse Mallow. It's too big to miss. And uh, a number of people are saying, before I go to Peter, a number of people saying that they really enjoyed listening to Eddie Goggin, editor of the uh, Opinion magazine Abandoned, talking about this scaravine, which I have to say, hands up, I haven't heard of uh, before describing the unique weather phenomenon that happens at this time of year if we get very, very cold weather. A lot of people saying that they remembered their grandparents uh, talking about it. And Christine said, shed not a clout till May is out means you don't get into your summer clothes until the May flower is out or until the month of May is uh, gone. Thank you for that, uh, Christine. Uh, Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com uh, joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. I, I was well I was well used to the, the expression there, cast a clout till May is out, all yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, but the, the I and I suppose the changing of the seasons, which is what we're in the middle of. I had never heard the term scaravine either, so it was very interesting. All right. No, and it's it's very much to do with rural uh, areas where farmers were dependent on not getting a hard frost or not getting, you know, hail showers. And seemingly the scaravine can happen from the 15th of April until the 15th of May. And there was a generation of farmers who dreaded this time of year. And, and, and we can get, we can get wonderful weather at this time of year or we can get bitterly cold weather like I was saying I was out de-icing my car yesterday morning I'd be too and yeah. on Sunday I, I was I was uh, feeling the sun on my back I was actually feeling warm on my back on Sunday and then yeah like you I was de-icing my car yesterday yeah yeah okay and people are asking about that about the frost is it affecting has it done any damage in the garden this week well it may have it may have and um it's superficial damage. So in other words, if you it won't have done anything to your shrubs, any hardy shrubs or hardy perennials or spring bulbs like your tulips and daffodils, anything like that, they're all perfect. And if there's a bit of new growth, perhaps I suspect in a week or two's time, we'll see 
pictures coming in with black on gristlinia and things like that. That's just a bit of superficial frost damage and it'll grow through it. However, if you had planted out little seedlings like veg seedlings or little bedding plant seedlings or anything like that, um, even unfortunately maybe newly sown grass or, or wildflower seed, that may be damaged by the by it as well. And unfortunately I was I was I had put up a post on Facebook the other day last week sometime on, on the Irish Gardener. Can't remember what it was apropos about, but um Somebody commented on the fact they were giving out about, about I think it was supermarkets selling bedding plants, summer bedding plants, and there was no advice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's I was just making the point, it's far too early. I wouldn't dream of planting out summer bedding until the start of May at the earliest. And even then I would harden them off. So I put them out bit by bit. But unfortunately, if they're available in supermarkets and, and even in garden centres, it's kind of a bit unfair on those people those who don't know a bit about gardening, they might think if they're available, then it's time to plant them out. It's not. It's far too early because a frost now on top of bedding plants uh, w- would kill them. So, yep, yeah, you, you, would, you would need to be careful. The scaravine can happen up to the 15th of May. So bear that bear that in mind. OK, let's get straight into uh, other questions. Geraldine has a cherry blossom tree. She reckons it's about 17 or 18 years old. It's 15 feet high. But for some reason, it isn't in flower now and it hasn't flowered for the last two years. What could be going wrong and what does she need to do? Because I'm assuming from that text, it has flowered in the past, but just not for the last two years. It sounds like it, yeah. Um, I'm at a bit of a loss when it's a mature tree like that and it's not flowering, I suppose. Uh, it is possible if it was just one year I would say it's very possible that it's just taking a year out because a lot of time mature trees and shrubs just do that particularly if they flowered very well or very profusely one year then they can just take a year out it's not unheard of for them to take two years out and I suppose it's probably the most likely answer when it's that mature because feeding it or suggesting feeding it with something high in potassium it isn't, wouldn't be the first thing that I jump to here because the root system is so established in the soil. It's you know feeding is going to make little or no difference. So I kind of would say do nothing at all and leave nature take its course. Perhaps give it a bit of a light prune during the summer, which might promote more flowering buds for next spring. But being honest with you, I would hope, provided nothing has changed around it uh, in terms of there wasn't soil moved or fresh soil put in or anything, I would say just hopefully that the, the, I know it's a bit of a vague answer, but I, I, w- I would say that it's just taking a bit of time out and it should flower again next year. Oh, yeah, because I'm assuming that they're, they're, it's still looking healthy. It's just it hasn't got any blossom uh, on it. As we often say on this lot, patience, gardening, a lot of gardening uh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, about yeah, patience. Yeah. And, then, and then Sheila has a what she described as a yellow flowering magnolia tree. It's about three <coughs> years in the ground, but she now thinks that she's planted it in an area that it's too shady and she's thinking she should move it. When is the best time to move it? Well, I wonder, is she not getting any flowers? Is that why she's thinking it's too shady? And if that's the case, I would say I'm afraid with magnolias, it's, it is definitely that word patience. Again, some magnolias could be 15 years before they flower. In fact, the oldest recorded wait for flower is up in Kilmacurra in, in County Wicklow. I think they were waiting 37 years before <laughs> flower. So I'm afraid it might just be that. It won't be that long. But uh, uh, because they do like quite a bit of shade, magnolias. So don't be in a rush to move it if that's the reason or if that's what you think. Um, however, if it's flowering, but you just think the area is too shaded and you want to move it, uh, wait till the winter. So kind of November, December, January would be the time to move it. 
And as I think every week since you've come back on, so many questions in about moss on lawns. I don't think, I know we normally get them every year, but I don't think we've ever got as many as we're <laughs> getting this time, including one to say, I cut my lawn on Monday, can't get over how much moss and weeds are in the lawn. I bought a bag of feed and weed. Will it kill off the weeds and uh, the moss? And uh, Jim in Valley de Hob, any suggestions, please? So much moss on my lawn. It's a big lawn, an eighth of an acre. And Jim in Clonakilty says, just inspected the lawn and it's full of moss after the winter. That's just some of the ones coming in about moss. Talk to us about moss on the lawns. There's, I was having this conversation with a neighbour of mine the other day, actually, and he has a lot of moss in his lawn and he just, you know, he, he had kind of, when he saw how big a job, he started tackling and when he saw how big a job was going to be, he just stopped and he was asking me my advice. And what I would say about moss of the lawn is, is, and I don't want people to turn off the radios when they, when they hear this, but a lot of this might have to, might necessitate a recalibration in, in our own perceptions of what we want and what we like, because uh, moss is, you know, provide, unless you want the putting green, it looks green, it looks like a lawn, you know, do we need to do much, right? Can we just recalibrate our, our perception of what's beautiful in terms of weeds and in terms of, of moss? So that's the first thing I'd say to you. If you if that's not going to happen, and if you if you do want to get rid of the moss, your best control of all is cultural control, which is scarifying, which is where you go at it with like a mechanical rake. Now, you can do it by hand, but believe me, it's backbreaking. So you can rent scarifying machines or get somebody in to do it for you. But that is the best control of all on moss, okay? Now, I, when I heard somebody there saying weed and feed, I, I was flinching because weed and feed, it, it, it's, it's chemical companies marketing and it's, it's anybody who's familiar with me and, on radio or TV or in the newspaper will know that I'm always giving out about weed and feeds because you're pouring, pouring nasty chemicals onto a big area of lawn and there's a lot of insect life and, and soil microbes and fungi and beneficial bacteria underneath the grass. And you're, it's like blanket bombing. You're, you're putting on weed killer and, and chemical fertilizer all over the garden. For what purpose? It, 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 may, it most likely won't control any problematic weeds, but equally those weeds, as we call them, are very, very important plants in terms of the tapestry. So we really, really need to be to, to wake up to this and stop using weed and feed products on the lawn because it's, you know, it's gone beyond being nice about this and thinking about stopping. We have to stop using chemicals in the garden. It's just as simple as that. I mean, if we want a future, we have to stop. So weed and feed would not be my, my, my way of doing it. I'm afraid it's going out maybe with a hand trowel and removing them. And the, the best control for weeds in a lawn is healthy grass. So do look at maybe using something like the Irish product, the Lawn Gold, which works on, you know, Increasing the alkalinity of the soil, which is lime content of the soil, if you like, which is perfect conditions for grass growth, but not for moss growth. So look at either using garden lime or something like lawn gold, which will give good, healthy grass, but not moss. Um, And as I say... (laughs) If you can at all, learn to love the moss and the weeds. That's it. That's it. Okay, Helen has sent in a picture. We just didn't get a chance to send it on to you. It's of palm trees. She said, I've over 50 of them. I'm looking at the picture. It looks like they are in like a hedge growing all the way along and acting as a hedge. About 10 of them together have ended up like this. And the photograph she sent on, uh, they almost look dead. They're burnt brown from the bottom up. It's like they're dying off from the bottom up. Top part looks very green, but the lower down bit is scorched and dead looking. 
I wonder, is it is it progress, getting progressively worse or did it just happen overnight? You know, like, so the first thing that you'd ask in that situation is, was there an environmental reason? In other words, were we spraying weed killer near it that might have drifted onto it or something? Or or was there an oil spill or something? But I, I assume that you would have told us that if that was the case. So you got to assume that that's not the case. Well, that's the first thing. And if that is the case, unfortunately, they're, they're not going to recover. And, and in fact, unfortunately, even with the, the, the second more likely scenario, they're not going to recover either, I'm afraid. And that's a, it's a fungal infection um, that's got into the soil around there. And unfortunately, it will spread. So, uh, you know, I haven't seen the photograph, so I can't say for certain, but I would imagine it's a fungal infection like Phytophthora or one of these. Um, best bet might be to get a, a qualified horticulturalist or a tree surgeon out to have a look at them before you go to the expense and hassle of, of removing them. But I'm afraid that may be what you have to do is is take them out uh, and maybe drench the soil with copper sulfate or similar and, and look at replanting something else in there, which, which you know, may look wrong with what's on either side of it. So it might be a chance to rethink that whole area of the garden. I don't know. Yeah, and it looks um, like it's it, they're in a row, though, all the ones yeah. that are, are, are so dying and scorched. So, Something different would stick out like a sore thumb. So yeah, it's yeah. it's, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be in a rush to plant more of the same when there's there's a fungal or some pathogen in the soil that's wiping them out. Okay, Margaret says, hi Patricia, uh, hi Peter. Is it better to deadhead daffodils and tulips, or leave them go to seed? They don't go to seed, do they? They go back into the bulb. Well, they do. They, no, they, well, they do actually go to seed, do but they? we don't really grow them from seed. We don't grow them from okay. seed really. Um, but uh, no, you don't deadhead them, so that you don't deadhead them like you would summer flowers. In other words, deadheading won't won't promote more flowers uh, with bulbs, and we don't deadhead them either because you're right. We lot, we want to let all that goodness go back into the bulb for next year. So with daffodils, tulips, all. Those kind of bulbs let the foliage die off let the stems and the flower the dead flowers die off go brown and when they're brown at that stage just for cleanliness you can remove the the, the dead foliage at that point but let them die back naturally Mary says a part of my grisselinia hedge is burnt can I put in a new piece that is rooted and remove the burnt pieces you see, it's it's this is similar now to the conifer question. Unfortunately, it depends what's burnt. So if it is something like wind or frost or, or a weed killer or oil or something like that, then yes, you should be fine. But if it's a fungal problem that's killing the, that grislinia, there's nothing to say it won't spread to the new one or the established ones around it. So what I would say is, first of all, maybe remove the one that's burnt drench the area with copper sulfate put in as much clean fresh soil as you can and, and then try filling the gap with new grislinia and hopefully you cross your fingers at that point and there's a mm. bit of a bit of hope but I, hopefully it'll be okay okay and do worms eat flowers somebody said i've just noticed there's some worms in my pots no, worms are our friends in, in the garden big time. They, they, they aerate the soil and they're constantly aerating it and the worm castings that they give off are very, very beneficial to the soil. So no, they won't eat flowers. They'll eat, you know, fallen leaf litter and things on the ground. But no, they won't climb up your plant and eat the flower. No, not at all. Okay, so leave the worms alone, even though I don't particularly like your, worms. Your, your uh, friends. My, yeah, your my friends. friend. Yeah, I'm getting used to loving the moss and the daisies. So that's my, that's my bit. Okay, um, <laughs> have you a busy week? What's coming up this week? <laughs> Not busy yet. Well, it's it's just uh, anybody who's ordered from us online recently that the the all all, all those orders are going out at the moment. So they're Great. all going out this week, and we were, we're we're busy. It's a garden design time. Everybody at this time of the year wants their garden redone. So thankfully, it's a busy time for us. Long may it continue. Okay, Peter, we'll chat next Wednesday. Thank you for that. Look forward to it, Trish. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener dot com.